So yes, this this passage in First Timothy two, and we're looking through at the uh, the uh, passage of uh, scripture as to why it is written, and it's always remembering. It's a good thing to remember in this passage from verses nine through to fifteen that you always have to remember what is the context. Why is he writing this? And First uh, Timothy three fourteen to fifteen says this: I'm writing you these instructions so that if I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. Uh, Last week, Paul was making the point that we as Christians need to be praying for the authorities in our lives, because God desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. He said in 1 Timothy 2, 8 and 10, Therefore I want men everywhere to lift up holy hands in prayer, without anger and disputing. In other words, there's anger and disputing going on in the church. He says, this not ought to be. He says, I also want women to dress modestly with decency and propriety, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or expensive clothes, but with good deeds appropriate for women who profess to worship God. The reason he gives this instruction is because so many times people are prevented from coming to Christ by people's behavior. Sometimes there's a division between the message of the gospel and our behavior. So you say you're a Christian, then the question is, why aren't you living it and why aren't you showing it? And that's always a big challenge because a lot of times I'll talk to people about why they need to come to a saving knowledge of Christ and inevitably, why don't somebody who professes to be a Christian and they do this, this, and this, And as a result, people want nothing to do with Christianity. And I said, you're missing the point, my friend. They said, what's that? Don't judge Christianity by its people, but judge Christianity by its God. I said, we strive to be like Christ, but oftentimes we do fail. See, people will not listen to the gospel when they see the difference between the message of love we preach and the bickering and backbiting between believers in the church. So Paul said, men, I want you to pray. I want you to lift up holy hands. I don't want anger and disputing in the church. God wants everybody to be saved. And don't be a hindrance to the message. This was an instruction to the men. Now Paul is going to give instructions regarding the women in that fellowship. See, preaching from time to time can be a challenge, especially when there's varied interpretations on the passage. And I want to let you know there are varied interpretations. Today, some people will get upset with me because the message I'm going to teach to you is, I would say, culturally inappropriate with what the world says. Our culture doesn't like this passage because they think the Bible teaches male dominance and structures to bring inequality to women. The mistreatment of women is not because of the Bible or its teaching. It's because of the sinfulness of man. And you can look at your media and you can see it all over the place and it continues to happen today. Truth be told, women are the freest, have the most equity and dignity and opportunity in places where the Bible has the greatest influence. Look anywhere in the world where the Bible is not taught or preached and look how women are doing and you're going to go like, oh my goodness, what's going on? It's always important to obey and teach the whole counsel of God's word and not to change the message of the Bible to be compatible with our culture. Because culture is always changing. So we're studying the role of women in the church. 
Although we can agree to disagree about the role of women in worship, it was all agreed to the importance of what does the Bible teach. To have a right heart in worship is not enough. Our worship must always line up with what does the Bible say? Because oftentimes you meet people and say, well, I think, I feel. You know, that's great. You can think, you can feel, but does it line up with what the Scripture teaches? And oftentimes it doesn't. Because we live in an age of biblical illiteracy where people think they know what it says, but inevitably they don't know what it says. The instructions here that are given are insightful for us all. The plain teaching of Scripture is that God has ordained men to lead in home and the church. That's just, I'm just going to call it out straight up. That's what the Bible teaches. And I challenge anyone to show me different. You need to remember that Paul was speaking to a problem in a church in Ephesus. False teachers had led the church astray, and Timothy was to confront them. And Timothy was not your typical, hey, I enjoy confronting people kind of guy. Kind of guy. And Paul was challenging, hey, you need to confront. When things aren't going well, you need to confront. You ever have that challenge home? When things aren't going well, you need to confront. So false teachers, we guess, have led women and men down the wrong path in their teaching and, moral, and in their morals, as seen in Ephesians 1, verse 19. Ephesus, let me bring up the background, was a sensual city. Uh, part of the temple worship of the goddess Diana involved temple prostitution. So basically, if you're going to go worship the goddess Diana, which was a gold image with multiple breasts all over it, one of the parts of the things of worship was men would go up and have sex with the temple uh, prostitutes as part of their worship. It was all over the place. It was rampant. Talk about a sin-sick city. So it was also the center of commerce of rich people. Apparently women in the church also were dressing sensually and bringing unneeded attention to themselves in the church. And today we live in a culture where anything goes. Modesty is out the window. It's a situation that Paul, however, was addressing in the church. He said, first, these are gals, you need to dress properly. Of course, the question arises, well, who's to say what's appropriate, what's proper? Well, the Bible teaches what's appropriate and proper. Proper clothing is modest and decent. Modest means orderly, harmonious, well-balanced. Decently, the word carries the idea with it, the <clears throat> negative of shame and disgrace. When you dress discreetly, you're dressing to avoid shame. It means that you have a sense of honor. So here's a question you need to ask. Is what I am wearing consistent with my testimony? I'm a born-again believer who believes in Jesus Christ, so I'm dressing in a way that's going to honor God, first of all. See, women in that church would braid their hair. Nothing wrong with braiding your hair, by the way. Kind of think it looks good. But they would put gold, all kinds of gold ornaments through it, and it was a sign of their social standing. So when they would come to church, they'd be dressed to the tens and walking around with all this gold shining in their hair. And people were like, wow, did you see her? Did you see that? Which, that's not why you go to church, is it? You go to church to worship God, not worship the latest dress style. Uh, so as they were dressing in a way to draw attention to their beauty, and their social standing. That's not why you come to church. If you're more concerned about applying makeup than you are applying scripture, it'll show. It really will. 
people are impressed with the outside, God is impressed with the inside. Proverbs 31-30 says this, Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. 1 Samuel 16-7, The Lord does not look on the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. You want to dress up? Hey, it's okay. Be modest. Do it with your actions, with your good works. A godly woman is more concerned with inward beauty than the outward but again, remember what's our culture say. you got to look good on the outside. You can see all these new commercials on TV. I, actually, I've been kind of intrigued by that. You get this new cream you can put under your eyes, man. You can take away the wrinkles. How many have seen those? Yeah. I actually wondered about that. But on the flip side, guys and gals, holiness does not equal homeliness. I've seen that too. <laughs> not in this church. Okay, let's qualify that. <laughs> Ephesians 4, 17 to 19, the Apostle Paul says this, so I tell you this, and it's just honored in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts, having lost all sensitivity, son of our society, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge every kind of impurity, and then they are full of greed. Ephesians 5, 8 and 10. For you were once darkness, but you were light in the Lord. Live as children of the light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness and truth, and find out what pleases the Lord. Paul was advocating that Christians not only walk differently, but they dress differently as, as a result of their experience with God. Before we go on to the next verse, we need to bring this context again to the situation. When it comes to the role of men and women, the Bible is clear, both male and female reflect the image of God as seen in, Galatians, in Genesis 1 verse 27. Next phrase. Men are not superior over women, nor women over men. In Christ, men and women are equal, Galatians 3, 28. But at the same time, they are to fulfill different roles. So the next controversial verses that we'll get to. 1 Timothy 2, 11 and 12. A woman should learn in quietness and full submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or have authority over men. She must be silent. Whenever we come to God's word, we need to realize that God as creator has always created order. Our response to God's created order reveals that it is contrary always to our fallen nature. We look at what God says and we go like, uh, what, what, what's that? So God has ordered structure always in the home and in the church. Our culture, however, is changing and challenging and seeking and overturning biblical values even as we speak as to what's right and what's wrong. And I, if, For example, I, I can give quote you an illustration right out of the news this week. If you're looking in British Columbia, you'll find out specifically that there's parents. They had a child who was, I think, 14 years old, and that child wanted to go through a sex change operation. Parents said, no, let's wait till you're older. And the court said, overruled it, says, no, you have no rights and authorities over the children. We're going to go ahead with it. That's where we are headed, my friends. Society and culture is changing who's in charge. 
So, and again, what's the outcome of the world's cultural philosophy? It's been said, wisdom is justified by her children. Quietness and submission as are, are ordained by God as beauty that he recognizes. In 1 Peter 3, 1 to 5, we read this. Wives, in the same ways, be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. When they see the purity and reverence of your lives, your beauty should not come from outward adornment as such as braided hair, there it is again, and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle, quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way that holy women of the past, who put their hope in God, used to make themselves beautiful. They were submissive to their own husbands. Then he says, I do not permit a woman to teach or have authority over a man. What Paul is saying, let me just point this out very quickly, is that women are not to teach. He didn't say that. Or e even men. What Paul is saying that is when the church, the office of pastor, elder, is an office that only men are ordained to. Therefore, I'll put this up in print, it is our position at Lighthouse Church, people have talked to me about it, that every area of ministry is open to women. They can do anything in the church in terms of the roles, except that of an elder or pastor, and that is the role that we hold to at this church. So what are the two specific terms that address that? The two terms are, first of all, one, complementarianism is the view that women are limited regarding leadership roles in the church, such as elder, pastor, or deacon. Egalitarianism, that's what a lot of other churches practice, is the view that women can serve in every form of church leadership, including ordination as pastors. But that also has its challenges. The egalitarian view is based on the biblical view that men and women are both equal in Christ, they can do what they want. But then you've got to pass over a lot of different scriptures that talk about the order within the home and in the church. And so the weakness of this view, however, is in dealing with the New Testament passages that divine requirements of elders in 1 Timothy 3 and in Titus. The complementary view agrees that men and women are equal in Christ, yet God has specific designed roles for men and women regarding church leadership. And those include the use of excessive male pronouns. If you look in those passages in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1, there, are there exists exclusive male pronouns related to elders, that elders are to be husband of one wife, something only a man could do, at that no examples exist of female pastor in the New Testament. There aren't any. So, but do I know that there are other churches that hold to a different view? The answer is yes. This is what we hold to. So Paul goes on to say in 1 Timothy 2, 13 and 14, this is his basis, what he's teaching. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not the one deceived, it was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. So Paul writing this was speaking of what we call creation order. How does God order it? God said man was created first, then women. It doesn't mean that they're still equal in Christ. It's absolutely correct. But because of that order, God says, here's how I order the home. Here's how I order the church. Got nothing to do with what uh, in terms of value. So God has always had order. Why? What is the order in home and church as seen in Scripture? It's seen specifically as male leadership. Now the problem is, some women will say to me, well, Pastor, if you knew what my husband was like, how am I supposed to listen to that? I mean, come on. And I say, yeah, I, I hear you. I hear you. And again, I'm saying, 
This is what God's Word said. Do men always measure up? The answer is no, they don't. Do women always measure up? No, they don't. We live in a broken world with broken families, with broken churches, and we say, why is this happening? Because we're trying to exchange the order that God has placed all throughout scriptures to how things are to be done. And so the whole idea again through scripture is this, that God has a specific order. When we mess with God's order, everything gets messed up. And what we have to ask ourselves is this question, what does God's word teach? It's not how I feel. It's not what culture is saying. And I can bring other examples of what culture is saying about the home, about the family, about male leadership. I'm saying this is what God's word teaches. Has God's word changed? No. And by the way, up to the uh, 19th century, this issue of male headship was never an issue. They said, oh, okay, really? No, it wasn't an issue. But then we get to the most controversial verse of this passage, verse 15. It says, but women will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith, love, holiness with propriety. And I thought, how do I interpret that passage? That was rather interesting because I found out about 50 different interpretations of that one verse. But listen to Dr. John Piper. He compares it with 1 Corinthians 3.15. He said, he himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. And again, we know that one is not saved through childbearing. We know one is not saved through flames. But he said a better rendition is that it would be through, in spite of the painful experience of childbearing, throughout the in spiteful, painful experience of going through the flames, one shall be saved. And the idea is that if they continue in faith, love, holiness with propriety. Again, he's addressing issues in the context is the church in Ephesus. He said, this is how people ought to do. This is how church ought to be run. This is God's word. So what's that tell us? I, th I think the, the, the challenging thing about leadership in any area is the one word we call submission. Because sometimes when you talk about the word submit, it's like a red flag. Because sometimes when they, we hear the word submission to leadership, submission to authority, we think of doormat and being tromped all over. But Jesus Christ submitted himself to the Father's will, did he not? Mm -hmm. And the thing is, in leadership, in the home, and in the family, all of us need to learn the term submission. The Bible says that not only is the woman to submit to the man in terms of headship in the home, but also the man is to submit to the woman. If you go back in the Ephesians 5 passage, go a little further, there's mutual submission to each other. And submission has got a bad rap. But the honest thing, the truth is that do children need to submit to the parents' leadership? The answer is yes. Do I submit to my parents' leadership sometimes when they were wrong? Yes, if I wanted to live. <laughs> did my parents do everything always perfectly? The answer is no. Did they love me? Yes, they did. Did I submit to them? Yes, I did, because I valued my life. <laughs> what did I learn from submission? I learned humility. I learned humility. Because oftentimes I've said to teenagers when they're struggling with their parents' leadership, I have a real problem submitting to what my parents want. I said, I got a question for you. Yeah. 
How are you, how are you at, in terms of submitting to what God wants in your life? Oh, I'll tell you something. If you have a hard time submitting to your parents' leadership, you have a much tougher time submitting to God's leadership in your life. And submission is something that God wants all of us to learn in our lives on a regular basis. And uh, it, it's an important facet of leadership, of servanthood, if I really want to see God work through my life. What can I say in conclusion? I can say this. Godliness is to be evidenced by self-control, quietness, submission, and continuing faith, love, and holiness. If I want to be a godly person, then it needs to be seen in how I dress and how I talk and how I act. And people will see Christ in that. Should Christians dress differently from the rest of the world? I would say a hearty amen. Don't allow culture to dictate to you the way that you dress. But then don't be homely either, okay? Why do I say homeliness doesn't equal holiness, okay? And so you say, as a pastor, have you ever had to address issues with the way women dress? Uh, yeah, yeah, I have had to in different churches I've pastored. Is it something I just really want to do? Absolutely not. I say, hey, honey, would you come here? We need to do, have a chat. <laughs> Could you uh, go talk to <laughs> So are you a chicken? And I said, no, sometimes I think it's better coming from a woman if a woman dresses inappropriately. And so it causes men to look the wrong way and look at the wrong thing. Because if men are going to look at that, you don't want that kind of man in your life. You really don't. And again, godliness with great virtue is something that ought to be characterized in our lives, in everything we do. It's what the church needs to hear and what the church needs to practice. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, thank you for your word to our hearts. Father, indeed a challenging passage. But Father, we want to honor your word and we want to listen to what the word of God teaches and submit ourselves to the teaching of what you say to us. So, Father, work within all our hearts that we may, might be submissive to the leadership and instruction of the Holy Spirit of God through the teaching of the Word of God. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen.